Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Nearly 300,000 people under the age of 40 have opened a lifetime ISA. Are you one of them? The generous 25% bonus is easy to understand, but the products themselves, which can allow you to save for a first property or use them like a pension, are highly confusing. So just how are young people using the accounts to invest in the stock market? We reveal all. Is your broadband on the blink? New rules mean that telecoms providers have to automatically provide compensation to customers who suffer from a blackout. Our money mentor, Lindsay Cook, is here to relay what happened to her when her broadband service unexpectedly stopped. And could you spot a pension scam? The financial regulator has revealed the six most common methods used by fraudsters. Me and Emma Adjumag will be putting you through your paces. Plus, the chance to win tickets to the FT Weekend Festival in September. Keep listening. Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's weekly podcast about personal finance and investing. I'm Claire Barrett, FT Money Editor, bringing you all of this week's money news. Since its launch in 2017, over a quarter of a million people between the ages of 18 and 39 have opened a lifetime ISA. Have you not heard of it? Well, the complexity of the tax-free savings product has been slammed by MPs, but many young workers are finding that the accounts are a great way to invest for their future. Here to talk us through the pros and cons, for sadly there are also downsides, is Iona Bain, the author of the Young Money blog, who's written a piece all about it in FT Money this week. Welcome, Iona. Hi, Claire. May I say, a pleasure to have you back on the podcast. You have many fans um, amongst (laughs) our readership and among our listeners, but you also have a lifetime ISA yourself. I do. As do I. So you would kind of hope that we know what we're talking about, (laughs) but you have found out the hard way how complex the rules are. So let's start with the basics. What can you use a lifetime ISA for? Well, it's a pretty unique product because it's the first that's exclusively aimed at the under 40s. And I understand you managed to get in just before you hit that milestone yourself. Six days. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) That is impressive. And it also straddles these two markets, which is on the one hand, it's a product where you can save for your first property. And on the other hand, you can use it for your eventual retirement. The idea is that if you are saving for your first property, you're probably going to put the lifetime ISA in cash. Whereas if you're saving for retirement, because you have a longer time frame, you can afford to be invested in the stock market and therefore potentially get a much higher rewards to fund your retirement. And Talking of the rewards, how can young people using a lifetime ISA save and receive the 25% bonus? 
Well, like I say, uh, you can either keep it in cash uh, and there are some building societies and digital providers that are offering the product in cash. I have to say at quite low interest rates, although you do also have to bear in mind that you are getting that very generous government bonus, which is 25% up to the value of £4,000. So that could be, you know, a grand a year from the government. But you can also uh, invest it through various DIY platforms or you can put it into a ready-made portfolio and really take all the care and responsibility out of it for yourself and, and hand that to somebody else. And you will still get um, the 25% bonus of, as you say, up to a maximum of £4,000 can be paid in per tax year if you paid in the maximum, as I have done mm. and as you have done yes. um, in the past, and you get £1,000 mm. um, to reinvest. If you paid in £1,000, you'd get £250. Yes. But you would have to reinvest that yourself if you have an investment ISO, I can tell you, because otherwise it just ends up languishing in a cash account until you tell your provider what you want to do with it. But that is not the key downside of the lifetime ISO. Talk us through the cons. Well, the lifetime ISA is a complex product and it has to be for various reasons because it's for these two separate aims. So the government doesn't want savers to run off with taxpayer money. So they've had to put in place this rather onerous penalty. And they've also had to do that to try and deter people from withdrawing the money that would have to be saved for retirement. So on the one hand, that penalty, which is effectively 6.25%, not nothing. It's Understandable, but it's not ideal. So if you're going into the lifetime ISA, you really have to go into it with your eyes open. And if you need to withdraw the money, then it's cheaper than borrowing, like I say in the article, but not something that you want to do without thinking about it. And also, it has to be compared to a pension if you're thinking about investing for your retirement. So I'm a freelancer and I took out a lifetime ISA because I do not get an employer contribution into a workplace pension. And it's the mm. same for my brother, who's a musician. Um, so for us, the lifetime ISA has many more benefits. We effectively get that contribution from the government instead of an employer. But if you do have a workplace pension, it would be very ill-advised for you to opt out of that workplace pension and purely put money into a lifetime ISA, not least because the amounts you can put into it are lower than in a workplace pension and you're missing out on that employer contribution. Yeah, very sensibly put. Well, in your FT Money article, you spoke to a panel of experts about the different kinds of investment strategies that young investors could take because another problem of using the lifetime ISA like an investment is that young people generally can't afford to take financial advice. Mm. They might like the idea of investing their money for the long term, mm. potentially, you know, at the age of 18, it could be locked up until they're 60, because that's what age you would need to be to get it out unless you use it to buy a home. So what kind of advice did experts proffer in the general sense? Well, the Lifetime ISA puts a huge responsibility onto the individual because they not only have to decide whether they're going to put their money in cash or in stocks and shares, uh, but they have to decide, you know, if they want to buy property, is that going to be within the next five years or is it going to be much longer than that? And if it is longer than that, then generally speaking, our experts said that contrary to conventional wisdom, you can actually take a little bit more risk. But for lots of young people who are not very educated about investing and, as you say, can't go and get financial advice very easily, that's a very daunting prospect. So our experts said that it's good to start perhaps with uh, low-risk multi-asset tracker funds. So you're taking some of that um, difficult decision-making out of your portfolio. Uh, but 
If you are investing for longer periods of time, you can afford to move up the risk spectrum. So within the article, we go into lots of detail about all the different options that are available. Obviously, we've talked a lot about active funds, even though they've come into the spotlight recently. And for anyone listening who thinks, oh, what's an active fund? <laughs> yes. That's a fund with a fund manager, generally a man, although there are more and more women coming through the ranks, yeah. who is effectively paid a large fee by investors for picking stocks that they think will beat the market. And they have a fairly checkered track record. Not all of them beat the market in the same way that a tracker fund, which tracks everything in the market. Well, therein lies the rub. And indeed, a really key point that came through from the piece was the need to look out for costs. Ultimately, whatever you decide to do, whilst you shouldn't be completely led by charges, they will massively eat into your portfolio over the long term, particularly if an actively managed fund doesn't beat the market. So what you've got to look for really is a fund that perhaps does have some of that promise and you know you can't guarantee the future that's the big problem with investing you are taking a risk one way or another but you can certainly mitigate those risks by being well diversified by having your eggs in lots of different baskets not pinning your hopes on any one manager and perhaps having a combination of tracker and active funds in your portfolio exactly you can dial up the percentages or dial them down now in your piece you present three kind of basic strategies for investors to think about if they are A, investing to buy a property within five to 15 years, B, if they're an investor with a low risk appetite and C, like you and I, if they're investors with a higher risk appetite. Now, one of the things that the experts advise was looking at themes to mm. base your research around when you're looking for either tracker products or active funds which could serve you well in the future. Mm. I think the big theme that came through was think global, not least because right now, if you were to invest purely in UK stock markets, that would be a very scary uh, prospect. That's quite a binary choice. Yes. It could all yes. go up, tiddly up, up as we get the you know, sunny <laughs> well, Brexit uplands. Um, well, indeed. And, and perhaps if, if you were a subscriber to that school of thought, then you would want to have you know a decent chunk in, in UK equities in your portfolio. But certainly what the experts recommended was to think globally, because that's a very good way to spread your risk across lots of different markets. And avoid the down, tiddly, down, down, or hopefully... Yes spread out the risk because of course Brexit isn't the only risk in the markets you know everyone's you know losing their shirts about the you know the China US trade war this week we've mm -hmm. had you know big movements on on stock markets you know the US markets went down several percent in a single day which mm -hmm. is the most volatile day we've had all year so yeah. I mean, investors could be forgiven for thinking gosh this is all a bit scary. Absolutely and the experts don't always get it right either so in the piece when we talk about themes such as technology that might prove to be quite lucrative for investors in the future, you know, there's no guarantees there. You are essentially taking an informed, educated punt on whether or not these themes are going to pan out for your portfolio. And I don't want to sound like a broken record, but that's another reason why, again, you have to make sure that you haven't got all your money in one extremely promising micro tech fund that seems to be shooting the lights out now, but might come into problems further down the line. You've just got to spread your risk across all sorts of different areas. Now, my stepson is very interested in opening a lifetime ISA to use as a, an investment vehicle. Now, he immediately said, what can I put in my lifetime ISA that's green? 
Mm, that's a very good question. So this was acknowledged in the piece. One of our experts did say that there were uh, different funds. In, in fact, she highlighted an investment trust which would allow investors to uh, go for companies that mitigate environmental and social challenges and improve quality of life. Although that particular... <laughs> it's a bit wishy-washy, it, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I think maybe some listeners might balk at that description. And you also have to make sure that actually that... A particular aim is in line with what you think is ethical and what you think is helping to make the world a better place. What I've discovered when writing about those issues is that there is a huge spectrum of ethical investing and it goes right from just negatively screening out companies that big you think, oil yeah 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 mm. tobacco uh, big pharma etc right up to uh, very targeted investing and practically philanthropic investing where you don't expect a, a particularly great return but you know you're doing good in the world but there is a huge spectrum in between and i say definitely anybody who is thinking about that needs to get clued up and realize what their values are and what part of the spectrum would be in line with their values well, we hope this discussion has provided listeners at home who are thinking about a lifetime ISA with some food for thought. It's a great way to get started um, in investment as a young person. But as always on the FT Money Show, the investment topics we're discussing here are for broad information purposes only. They do not constitute investment advice and investors should always do their own research before making any decisions. If you're unclear about your options, you could consult an independent financial advisor. And if you'd like to read more about these topics, you can read Iona's full article now, The Lifetime ISA, Three Ways to Invest, online on our website at ft.com slash money. Thank you, Iona, and we hope to have you back on the podcast sometime soon. Well, thanks for having me, Claire. So next, broadband. Our money mentor was left hanging on the telephone quite literally earlier this summer when her broadband provider cut off her line. But the experience provided a valuable insight into the new automatic rules for broadband compensation. And I have to say, Lindsay Cook, they couldn't really have picked a worse person to cut off, could they? No, they couldn't. But considering there are something like four million people regularly work from home, there are a lot of us who could lose our um, means of working. I was at my computer going through emails and it went dead. My landline went dead. And I live in one of those areas that has very poor mobile phone reception, which made it really difficult to even report that I'd lost the service. Well, as you said in the piece, you ended up in the shrubbery. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Making a phone call. (laughs) There's no comfort of... It wasn't raining, fortunately, but there's no comfort of doing it because, as I say, my mobile phone didn't work either. Eventually got through to the company and my husband was there and he checked all... Because they said, oh, if if you report this and it's your kit that's at fault, it's £65 call out to start with. I say, well, it was working until a minute ago. Yeah, and they want you to do all kinds of things with a screwdriver. Yes, and uh, checking the... Testing um, connections. Yes, Mm. which is beyond most people, I think. But they, they did that and then they said, no, it's the, it's the box, your connection is, um, is wrong. And then later in the day, it seemed that we got a dialing tone back and my husband um, rang me. Uh, but he was re- I looked at it and it wasn't our number. So I'm thinking, who's ringing me? And he said, it's me. Um, <laughs> and they'd connected somebody else in our area. To your line. To our line. So both of us were without broadband or anything like that. I had work that needed to be submitted to the FT, to other people. I ended up having to um, go to coffee shops to do some work. But then again, I daren't 
access my bank account in the coffee shop because... No, you're on a public Wi-Fi connection. Exactly. But you really begin to realise, once the internet is taken away from you, just how much we rely on it for everything. Because it's not just, you know, you and Iona have saved and me occasionally all work from home. But also, watching the television nowadays invariably is through an internet connection. Absolutely. We lost Netflix and iPlayer. Which, uh, you know, you've had a bad day and you think, let's catch up on a box head. I can't. <laughs> and, and as you say, you know, not being able to, to do online banking unless you uh, walk down to the end of the garden is quite a problem. Now, this is one reason why Ofcom, the communications regulator, has strengthened the compensation rules for people who are left without broadband. So what does its new scheme offer and which providers have signed up? Well, if you're without uh, broadband for two full days, now mine went down on a Friday morning and came back late on Tuesday and I was told that didn't qualify. And you think because that wasn't two full working days. And I did make the point that a lot of people who are self-employed work through the weekends and a lot of small businesses need their um, connections through a weekend. Ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And then those who do qualify get an initial £8 and then £8 per calendar day. Now, people whose new service is delayed... If you've switched providers. Yeah. They get £5 a day. And if your engineer doesn't arrive, it's £25. Hmm. So they're quite small beer... Unless you're without the service for 30 days, then you get, oh, wow. I think some people will probably have moved house. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I reckon that I spent £30 on coffees, parking and petrol over four days. And I was lucky because I had a son who had Wi-Fi down the road that I could go to. Otherwise, it would have cost me a lot more. The companies that have um, signed up to this um, back in April are BT, Sky, TalkTalk, Talk, Virgin Media, Vodafone, Hyperoptic and Zen Internet. EE will join it next year and the company that we just changed to, Plusnet, hasn't joined up yet. But they do take every case, case by case, and we ended up with £38.38 pence sent to us by a cheque. Now, not only How do quaint. they not only do they not know that people need their broadband over a weekend, they, they are sending cheques to you from Yorkshire. Well, I mean, they do kind of pride themselves as a firm, I suppose, on their old-fashioned values, but at least they did give you some money back. But anybody else who's affected by this, the beauty of the scheme is that they don't need to do anything. The compensation will be automatically paid. Yes, they should check their bank account to make sure it arrives, though. Yes, very wise advice, as always. Well, thanks very much there to Lindsay Cook, the FT's Money Mentor columnist. If you want to read Lindsay's column about how she survived a broadband blackout and what you can do to get compensation, read her on our website now ft.com slash money. Now, I promised you earlier with news of how you could win a ticket to the FT Weekend Festival. This is our annual jamboree, which takes place this year at Kenwood House in Leafley Hampstead. It is going to be held on Saturday, the 7th of September. This year, bearing in mind that we've been writing about people's next acts on our website for the last 12 months, we would like to hear from readers who, in their retirement, have done something completely different. Have you got an unusual story that you can tell us about how you have transformed later life by perhaps doing something very daring, like starting a new business? Maybe you've set up a charity, or perhaps you're just doing what you have always wanted, travelling the world. Need I go on? I'm going to make myself sick here, wishing that I was doing it all. But anyway, if you could email us money 
at ft.com. Tell us what you're doing and mark your email next at competition. The best entries will be read out at the festival and I also have two pairs of tickets to give away to the readers who we think can tell us the most interesting tale. If you want to read more articles for those in later life who are thinking about their pension and retirement options, you can see more on this subject on our free online content hub, ft.com slash next act. Finally, could you spot a pension scam at 50 paces? The City Watchdog has warned this week that even so-called savvy investors are at risk of falling victim to scammers. They claim that as many as 5 million people could be at risk of losing their retirement savings. Emma Adjumang, FT Money reporter, is here with the story. Welcome, Emma. So some people might be surprised by the numbers of people that the FCA think could be caught out by scammers. Yeah. Um, So the FCA did a survey of 2,000 people representative of the UK and they found that 42% of the people they surveyed would probably fall for some form of scam. So they've quite helpfully provided a list of six common scam tactics that pension savers could be could be faced with, which they tried out yeah. in the course of that research. So do you want to tell us what number one is <laughs> on that sure. list for making people part inadvisedly with their pensions cash? Yeah, number one is basically picking up a cold call from a firm claiming um, they'd like to talk to you about their pension. And 23% of the people surveyed said they would actually take that call and want to speak to somebody about that. Because there's so much concern and worry about pensions in the modern world and so few people who you perhaps can talk to about it, somebody rings you up, you think, oh, happy days. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, um, the government actually banned the practice of cold call pensions, um, pensions cold calls in earlier this year. And so, you know, it really isn't something that is should be happening. And if anybody does contact you saying, I'd like to talk to you about your pension, definitely put the phone down and don't engage. Very good advice there, Emma. But offering exotic investment opportunities that could provide a better return on your pension than something, you know, m- more sedate is another way that 45 to 65 year olds were, were hooked in. People offering high returns on unusual investments. What kind of things would catch their eye? Yeah. um, So the kind of things that people were told they should invest in were renewable energy bonds, forestry, storage units, biofuels, overseas properties. Mm. These are all really, really high risk um, investments and you know, unlikely to be suitable for pension savings. So it's definitely, if somebody starts saying, oh, I can give you guaranteed returns, which is another ploy that um, that scammers might use in, in one of these exotic investments, you want to run a mile. Yeah, exactly. So that's three that we've covered. Now, one of the really clever ways that people are able to con information out of people is by offering a free pensions review. Yeah, and I mean, that sounds great because who wouldn't want something for free but the issue is you know in this world there's very few things that are free and pensions advice is definitely not one of them unless of course you want to phone the government's free guidance line pension wise exactly um, which a separate report this week bemoaned the fact that hardly anybody is ringing it people just don't know about it indeed so that is you know one one place you can go but certainly if somebody called you up and said I can offer you a free pensions review. It's not going to be be free. It's going to be on your guard, definitely. Okay, so two scams left to work through. So one of them would automatically raise my heckles, offering early access to your pensions pot. Yeah, um, so this is something that, you know, maybe people 
in their middle years, a bit cash-strapped, wanting to have access to their pension pot. But under the current rules, you know, offering entering your pension pot before 55 is going to be very, very costly. So it's not something you want to do. And anybody who suggests as a good option for you, you should definitely again run away. Yet yeah, nearly one in five of the 45 to 54-year-olds who were surveyed thought that this would be an appealing option. So again, the scammers really know how to how to push people's buttons. And then the final way that they can con you out of your retirement is? Um, Time-limited offers. Mm. So any form of pressure, if you get contacted by somebody um, or they say to you, we've got this really good deal, but it's only available for a short period of time, um, that's another big red flag. Um, sometimes scammers will say, oh, we'll send you documentation by courier so you can sign today. Again, another very big um, red flag to watch out for. Well, thank you very much there to Emma Adjumang, FT Money reporter. If you've got any views about this story or would like to share any experiences um, yourselves of how you've combated a scammer, then you can email us. The FT Money team can be contacted on our email address money at ft.com. And if you'd like to read more about this story and the six ways that savers are commonly scammed, you can find it on our website now at ft.com slash money. That's it for The Money Show this week. As always, get in touch with us, money at ft.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter for the latest news updates, our handle is at ftmoney. And you can check out our new LinkedIn page, search for Financial Times, your money. We'll be back next week at the usual time. Goodbye. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.